Sorry we didn't have the sign-up sheet for Roy Jr. out there a little um, as early as we normally do. So even if you didn't sign up, you can go ahead and go out there. Uh, open your Bibles to Hebrews uh, chapter 3. We're going to be in the first six verses tonight. Thank you, Parker. Um, what is this? Y'all, seriously. What is this? It's a basketball. Yeah. Um, Consider this basketball, right? My sons, Titus and Case, just started playing basketball for the first time this year. Um, and since they're only seven and nine, they were on the peewee and termite teams, right? Great names for, for this. Now, they had never played organized basketball before this year. So I had to take this ball and say, guys, consider this. What is this? This is a basketball. Right, and you're going to play uh, on a team with some other guys, and um, and you're going to take this leather ball and you're going to put it into a hoop, right? And whoever puts the ball in the hoop more than the other team is going to win. Uh, and here's the court. This is what a court looks like. Here's the sidelines. Here's the baseline. Here's the three-point line. You're never going to shoot from back there. Um, here, because you're not you're not Steph Curry. Um, and here here's the foul line. Like. Give them all the foundation, had to lay the foundation for the game of basketball because they had no clue, right? Um, well, I started teaching them about basketball. They started going to practice. They started having games. They started learning. And then they learned there's different levels of basketball. I was like, you don't even play with this ball. You play with a kid's ball. And then the peewees play with a different ball than the termites. Termites play with a youth ball, right? And then there's an adult ball. And, and then there's different levels. You move up. Even like you go through middle school, then you go to high school, then you go to college, and there's different levels of college ball. You know, I love playing, uh, I love watching college basketball. Uh, but sometimes I'll throw on an NBA game. And, uh, and Case, my youngest, will say, Daddy, are these the best? You know, if we're watching college, I'm like, these are, co- these are student athletes. You know, some of them are teenagers. Some might be in their 20s. You know, and then if it's an NBA game, they'll say, Daddy, are these the best? I'll say, yes. These are professionals, right? They're, there's no one like them in the world. They're better than anybody else in the world. And Titus recently learned a new uh, vocabulary word, and it was elite. And I was like, and the other night, we were watching a game, and Titus, Case said, Daddy, are these the best? I said, yes. I said, Titus, what's another word for professional? And he was like, elite. I was like, yeah, they're elite, right? Their, their abilities are beyond anybody else's. They are superior, right? There's no one like them on the planet. They are the best of the best. And so what we're going to learn tonight, I'm not going to hold the basketball the whole time. Parker, good job. Um, what we're going to learn tonight is that Jesus is elite. He is superior to Moses. That's the main point of these first six verses. Um, We've already seen in chapter one that Jesus is superior to angels. And then in chapter two, we we learned about the the necessity of him being human, right? And and now we're going to see that Jesus is better. He is elite. He is superior to Moses. Now, the importance of Moses to Jews cannot be overemphasized, right? Moses is considered to be the most important prophet in Judaism. Moses is the man in the Old Testament, right? The most important part of the Jewish Bible is the first five books of Moses, known as the Torah, right? The the law called the Pentateuch, which is 
God's will for his people is known as the law of Moses. And Moses' life was by all accounts miraculous. Uh, in, do, in, in Numbers chapter 12, uh, God himself said this, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. So you can see how shocking it would have been for the author of Hebrews to say that Jesus is worth more glory and honor than Moses. They needed to be reminded that Jesus truly is better than Moses, even though that was an astonishing statement for any Jew to hear, much less believe. But I don't think that for us, our temptation is to um, consider angels superior or to consider Moses superior. And I put before you, and and I wrestled with this this week myself, that I think our temptation is to consider ourselves superior to Jesus. Now, we would never say that out loud, but we might live our lives in that way. In our passage tonight, we're going to see how the author of Hebrews shows us that Jesus is better than Moses. So let's pray before we read God's word together. Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, humbled that you would give us your word. We know that there's nothing I could say that we need to hear. We need to hear from you. We need you to speak, because apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord, we, we won't have understanding apart from your Holy Spirit teaching us through your word. We confess that it is alive and active. We ask for your forgiveness for considering ourselves over others, considering ourselves over your word, considering ourselves and our agenda and our schedules over and above your church, your body, your mission. Lord, I know that there's so many hearts and minds in so many different places thinking about so many different things right now in this room. And only you can speak to each individual person and meet us where we are. And I pray that you would do that. And we trust you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also is faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So I was, as I was studying this passage, I feel like the Lord made it pretty easy for me to see that, hey, there's three points here. I don't have a poem for you guys, but I'm sorry. The three points all start with C, so they're easy to remember, okay? So if you take notes, consider Jesus. Confess Jesus. Confidence in Jesus. These are the three points that we're going to walk through. We're going to see the first two C's in the first verse as we walk through this verse by verse. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. 
the apostle and high priest of our confession. So the author is speaking to fellow believers in Christ, to brothers in the church, those in Christ here in a heavenly calling, an eternal union in the family of God. We're offspring of Abraham, as we learned from last week's passage. And because Jesus is our perfect high priest in the service of God and was made like us in every respect, he astonishingly laid down his own life as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He tasted death for all of us. We've already seen that in this passage. And all of these realities are what we are to consider when we look to Jesus. And this verse tells us, consider Jesus. Simply, in between two commas, consider Jesus. The word consider means to observe with the idea of meditation, to fix your eyes on, to focus your mind on Jesus, to think carefully about Jesus. If you look up the word in a dictionary, consider, it's going to give you this definition, to think carefully about something, especially before making a decision. That's wise. We should do that. We should all consider, right? There's nothing greater in Christianity for us to consider. There's nothing greater in Christianity for us to focus on than the person and work of Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews wants us to consider Jesus, and he gives two titles for us to consider, apostle and high priest. Apostle means messenger or sent one, simply. Consider Jesus the one sent to preach the word of God and establish the kingdom of God through the giving and being the living word of God. An apostle is one who is sent to represent God before men to speak and act on his behalf. Now, a high priest is different from an apostle. A high priest represents men before God and offers a sacrifice for sins. Consider Jesus the one who interceded for his people. Consider Jesus the, the perfect, sinless priest who sacrificed his own righteous blood to open the way for us to God. This apostle and high priest made a way for us when there was no way for us to come to God with confidence. I absolutely love this quote from Pastor H. B. Charles Jr., he said this, because of Christ, we don't have to pray like a disgraced beggar going to a wealthy stranger asking for a handout. Because of Christ, we don't have to pray like a guilty criminal standing before a stern judge asking for a lenient sentence. Because of Christ, we don't have to pray like a slave without rank to a master without mercy. Because of Jesus, our great high priest, we can pray as confident children before a loving father. Because of Christ, we can know that God's grace is sufficient to meet all of our needs. Man, that's good. Consider Jesus. He is our confession. We should not only consider Jesus, but confess Jesus. Confess, confession reminds us of making a profession of faith. Right? This is the expression of trust, obligation, and commitment. The response of faith to the action of God revealing himself through his son. We confess Jesus is the word of God, the son of God, the word made flesh to dwell amongst us. The scriptures tell us to confess Jesus is Lord, to confess Jesus is Savior. So we consider Jesus and confess him because he was faithful to accomplish the mission he was sent by God to accomplish. Look at verse 2. Who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. So we see that we should consider Jesus because he was fully faithful to the Father. He was 100% obedient, right? But it also says that Moses has, the author of Hebrews has nothing bad to say about Moses here. He says he was faithful in all God's house. Jesus and Moses were both faithful to carry out the mission which God put before them, right? And the concept of God's house is first introduced here, but it's mentioned seven more times in these short six verses. The, ho the house of God. 
right? What is that? It's, it's not bricks and buildings. It's not wood, right? It's, it's, it's all God's people through all of the centuries. It's men, women, children. As verse 6 says, we are his house. But let's pick up with verse 3. It says, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So the original hearers to the letter of Hebrews uh, was they, they had to, to think about if we, if we fall away, if we leave Jesus behind, we're only going to return to Judaism. That's the old covenant. And, and, and Jesus and his new covenant is more glorious and superior to Moses. So that's what he's saying. Jesus himself knew of the temptation to cling to the old and reject the new. As he spoke to the Pharisees in John chapter 5, he said this, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. If you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. Last week, Spencer told us that Jesus is the founder of our salvation. Right? He's, the, he's the archetype. And in this passage tonight, it's telling us Jesus is the architect so we see he's the archetype, and here we see he's the architect. Uh, Al Mohler said this, Christ is greater than Moses simply because he created Moses. That, he's definitely greater. He created him. God's the builder of his house, the church. That's us. So Jesus is not only the, the architect, he's also the builder and the cornerstone. Back in uh, 2017 when Allie and I were living in Winston, we had the privilege of building a house on some family land. And uh, a, a good friend of ours was our general contractor. He uh, mentored us growing up, and, um, and he connected us with an architect. I don't know about you, but I'm not really good friends with any architects. I don't know any architects. And so he connected us with an architect. We went and met with this architect, and, and we said, hey, here's a lot of floor plans that we like. Like, here's what we'd like to see. You know, can you draw something up, right? And so the architect drew up the blueprints uh, for the floor plan for the house, right? But this architect, not once did he step foot on the land where we were going to build the house. He gave the plans to the general contractor, and, and then he got his crews out there, and they're the ones who went and built the house. That architect did not build the house. He didn't lift one finger. He didn't touch the land. He didn't build the house. He drew up the plans for it, how incredible is it that Jesus is not only our architect, but he's also the builder. He's also the cornerstone. He's also our foundation. He came in and touched the land. He, he lifted a finger. He, he took on flesh, right? And, and Paul, the apostle Paul, talks about this. and talks about the the crazy reality of us being the house of God in, in Ephesians chapter 2 and Jesus being a part of that house. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles, there's that word again, and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, that's in Jesus, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God the Father by the Spirit. What a beautiful Trinitarian passage, right? What an incredible passage. Paul's reminding the church in Ephesus, hey, we're, we're citizens, we're saints, you're members of God's household, 
just like the author of Hebrews is reminding his audience, you're a holy brotherhood, right? You are, you're a family. God's building his church, and no one and nothing can stop him from doing it. He's going to succeed, right? And this should be our confession, that Jesus is the exalted son of God who rules over the house of God, the church, for the glory of God. And the reason Jesus is counted worthy of greater honor and glory than Moses is because the son has greater honor than a servant. Moses was part of the house, but Jesus is the builder of God's house and the cornerstone, and he's the ruler over it. To see these truths, we're going to look at the last two verses, Hebrews 3, 5 through 6. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So Moses, had, he had a place of honor, right? He, he was appointed, he was given a mission as the servant of God for a specific period of time in human history. And he did his duty well, right? But he was simply to be a pointer, right? To, to testify to things that were to come. That's what the scripture says. Moses was a temporary pointer, Jesus is the point. Moses was a servant in God's house. He was a part of the house. But Jesus is a son over God's house. We, we give Moses credit as we should. We give him his due. Right? We honor Moses, but we do not worship Moses. We worship Jesus. Moses was faithful in all God's house, but Jesus is faithful over God's house because he's the final prophet. He's the final priest. He's the final king. That's why Jesus is better. I read an article this week about how Jesus is greater than Moses. And the, the author, Dr. Jude Davis, said this. He said, Moses' law commands perfect obedience. Jesus perfectly obeyed the law for his people. Moses was a servant. Jesus is the son. Moses dealt with types and shadows. Jesus is the reality. Moses' sins excluded him from the promised land. Jesus took the sin of his people to get them into restored Eden. Moses was faithful as a member of God's household. Jesus, as God, was the builder of that house. Moses ultimately failed. Jesus never fails at anything. Moses' covenant kills. Jesus' new covenant gives life. Jesus is better than Moses. He's more glorious than Moses. Why? Because Moses was a servant. In God's house, Jesus is the son over God's house. One is a position of serving. The other is a position of ruling and reigning. The shadow of Moses gave way to the substance of Christ. Now, I know that probably everybody in the room has been around a couple when they've been pregnant, right? And, and when they make their announcement that they're pregnant, they show usually a picture, right? And it's a sonogram. And you're like, it looks like a blob. It's just black and white. You can't really see anything, right? But they love this picture of this little baby inside the mother's womb. And they tell people they're excited about it. And they have multiple pictures, right? It's just a line of pictures. And then, like, as the, pr the pregnancy progresses, they go back and get another sonogram. And sometimes they even get a 3D one. I don't even know they did that. But, like, you can do 3D sonograms now. And you can even see the little fingers. You can see the little arms, the little feet right? It, sometimes the baby's even sucking their thumb. You can see the outline of the nose in the picture, but really it's just shadows. It's dark. No parents cherish 
those sonogram pictures after that baby is born. When that baby's born and they're holding their own flesh and blood in their hands, they don't go back and stare at the sonogram pictures. They're not like, guys, look at these, look at these, right? No, they're obsessed with the baby because the shadow has given way and the substance is here, right? And, And so we should be obsessed with Jesus. We should cherish Jesus, not, not shadows, right? Because the shadow has given way to substance. As I was contemplating like Moses and Jesus, there's a lot, way more than I ever thought, of similarities, but also comparisons between Moses and Jesus. And just for leading us to worship, listen to these. Born, both of them, born into perilous times where kings were trying to kill infants and their families are hiding them away. Both of them have ties to Egypt. Moses was born in obscurity and raised in a palace of a king. Jesus left his heavenly kingdom to come to earth to be raised in obscurity. Moses spent the first 40 years of his life learning to be a shepherd in the wilderness. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus also fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. The word of God came to Moses. Jesus is the word of God. Moses got instructions face-to-face from Yahweh, the great I am. Jesus came and said, I am. Moses led God's people out of slavery in Egypt. Jesus led God's people out of slavery from fear and the sin and death. Moses led people through the Red Sea on dry ground. Jesus walked on water, proving he is God. Moses provided water for the people in the wilderness. Jesus is living water. Moses prayed and God gave meat for the people in the wilderness. Jesus fed thousands miraculously. Moses prayed and God gave manna from heaven. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Moses went up on the mountain to get the law from God. Jesus came down from heaven to fulfill the law of God. Moses went to speak to to God for the people. Jesus opened the door for us to speak to God directly. Moses ascended the mountain to talk with God and receive the written law. Jesus ascended to heaven to sit down as God and send the Spirit to us. Moses' face shone brightly when he spoke with God. Jesus, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he was seen in all of his glory, was talking with Moses and Elijah. Moses' law points to flesh and leads to death. Jesus came and gave the law of the Spirit of life, which sets us free from the law of sin and death. Moses gave us the old covenant. Jesus instituted the new covenant. Moses was a prophet and a lawgiver. Jesus was a prophet and gave commands to be obeyed. Moses shared a unique relationship with God and spoke to him face-to-face as a friend. Jesus had a unique, indissoluble relationship with the Father. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness for the people to look on and be healed because they had been bitten by poisonous snakes in their rebellion. Jesus was lifted up on the cross for people to look on him and be healed of the curse of sin. Moses interceded for the Israelites when they sinned against God multiple times. Jesus interceded for his people once and for all and lives to make intercession for us. In Exodus 32:32, Moses offers his life in exchange for the sins of the people. Jesus, as our faithful high priest, laid down his life as a perfect sacrifice, atoning for the sins of his people. Moses prophesied in Deuteronomy 18, 15, the Lord God would raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, 
from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. And later, Moses' prophecy would be used by Peter and Stephen before the people and the Jewish leaders pointing to Jesus as the prophet. So Jesus is truly greater than Moses. He's the ruler over God's house. God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. God is building his church and no one and nothing is going to stop him. He can't be delayed He can't be set back. He's not limited to construction guidelines or supply shortages or client timelines. Jesus Christ is faithful right now, ruling over God's house, and we are his house. So church, we need to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus the creator and redeemer of God's people. Consider Jesus the archetype, the architect, the builder the foundation of God's people. Consider Jesus the servant and the savior of God's people. So tonight, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, whether you you are a believer or an unbeliever, we need to consider Jesus. So let's consider Jesus. Consider his unmatched deity. Consider his human solidarity. Consider his humility. Consider his miraculous birth. Consider the incarnation Consider his ridicule. Consider his betrayal. Consider the sham trials. Consider his creation spitting in his face. Consider the leaders of Judaism slapping him. Consider the crowds chanting, crucify, crucify, crucify. Consider his suffering. Consider his perfect life. Consider how his brothers and sisters must have hated him for being the perfect child. Consider that he did nothing wrong ever. Consider him surrendering to the will of the Father. Consider the cross. Consider him absorbing our sin. Consider him drinking God's holy wrath. Consider him forsaken by his Father. Consider him dying in our place. Consider the Son of God becoming the Son of Man, hanging lifeless on the cross and taken down to be buried in a tomb. Consider Jesus. Consider how he rose from the grave. Consider how death could not hold him down. Consider how victorious he is right now, ruling and reigning. Consider how the Father vindicated him and accepted his sacrifice and validated all that he claimed by bringing him from death to life. Consider Jesus alive and physically appearing to his disciples. Consider the grace that Jesus extends to his fearful, doubting disciples. Consider the love and forgiveness Jesus extends to Peter. Consider the great commission that Jesus gives to all of his followers. We need to consider Jesus. So here's our call to action. Consider Jesus. Confess Jesus. Have confidence in Jesus. The last part of verse 6 as we close is another warning. Because there's a conditional statement here. In verse 6b, we are his house if indeed, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Now Rob's going to preach the rest of chapter 3 next week and dive deeper into this because that if indeed statement, that phrase is said again in verse 14. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So as we close, let's heed the call to persevere in the faith, considering 
confessing and having confidence. These are practical ways that our faith can endure under trials and temptations when you face suffering, when life seems dark and lonely. Hold fast to the faith while considering Jesus. Hold fast to the faith while confessing Jesus. Hold fast to the faith because our confidence and our boast should be in Jesus all the more. He is our only hope. Now remember the, the definition of consider. Are you thinking carefully about Jesus, especially before making a decision? Are you thinking carefully about Jesus, especially before making a decision? Now I know that we all make decisions every day. Some of them are bigger, some of them are smaller, right? But I thought, what are some really practical ways that we can just apply this to our lives when we're making decisions? Here's some practical questions you can ask. Will this decision help me know God more? Will this decision help me love Jesus more? Will this decision help me to obey the Spirit more? Will this decision that's right before me help me to make Jesus known? Will this decision help or hinder me when it comes to considering Jesus, confessing Jesus, having confidence in Jesus? Will this decision help me or hinder me when it comes to these things? And will I be found faithful. One of the things that plagues us humans is our lack of faithfulness. We all, like sheep, are prone to stray. We're prone to leave. We're prone to abandon, to, to leave the God who first loved us. We're prone to unfaithfulness. But our verse 6 says, but Christ is faithful. So consider Jesus, who was faithful because God knew we would not be. Consider him. Confess him. Have confidence in him. He's faithful. So a few questions as, as we wrap up. Does Jesus have your allegiance? Does Jesus have your allegiance? Will you be faithful and, fa and hold fast to Jesus? Will you consider Jesus? Will you confess Jesus? Will you hold fast to Jesus? Or are you considering yourself? Because I, I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm not prone to considering angels superior to Jesus. I'm not prone to considering Moses more elite than Jesus. Where I'm prone to is considering myself over and above Jesus. Or considering my agenda or my way or my plan better than God's plan. Over and above God's plan. I consider myself more than I consider Jesus. So where will your allegiance be this week? And maybe tonight you're here and you've never considered Jesus. You've never considered Jesus. You've never confessed Jesus for the first time as your personal Lord and Savior. And because you can't hold fast to something you've never grasped. You can't hold fast to something you've never considered. You can't hold fast to something that you haven't confessed to be true. So will you consider Jesus in order to confess Jesus and have confidence, not only in this life, but in the one to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for meeting us where we are. And Jesus, we do praise you for making a way for us to come to you as your children. We praise you for building your house. 
We praise you that in Christ we are members of God's household. We thank you so much for that incredible privilege, that amazing honor. I pray that we would not neglect the privilege that we have as members of your household to come to you, to consider you day in and day out before we face the day, before we meet anyone or talk to anyone, before we face our to-do list, we would consider you Jesus. That we would confess you, Jesus. We would profess our faith in you, that we trust you. Lord, that all of our confidence would be in you, Jesus. Forgive us when we consider ourselves more highly than we ought. Pray that you would turn our hearts to you, the power of your word and your spirit, so we might glorify you as we consider you and worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name.